what else we got? Okay, so can we talk a little bit about funk? Okay, so you guys, um, you okay, Nate, you did a great piece for it was actually an opinion piece, mm-hmm. right, for the New York Times um, that was about the funky break of, and, and it was a great multimedia situation that the New York Times did, and we'll we'll put a link to this below if it's still up, which I imagine it is in the archives. But it was really just about you know kind of connecting back to the origins of it, but a little bit about the resurgence of funk and pop music and how it came about. And it was you know you broke down you know the stuff on the Jonas Brothers, and you talked about I think the um, Bruno Mars and how that kind of opened the door and stuff. But how do you guys see like what's currently happening in pop music, especially like mega hits and and like. How much is that actually being talked about, what that connection mm. is, and, and where do you guys see that going? Well, I think it's worth pointing out here that one thing that was sort of missing from our previous conversation that will take us to the maybe a little bit about funk is that jazz, of course, was at one point pop music, right? And so I think one of the things that's happening at any given moment is that as much as pop music is trying to maybe push boundaries and find new ways of talking about uh how it feels to be a young person, the music that is primarily mm. the music is targeted to. Um, it's all often simultaneously looking forward and looking back and digging on the past, especially that we live mm. in a, in an era with so much uh, accessibility to content and that re- reference and nostalgia is such a big part of art making broadly in music. We hear a lot of throwback to funk music. And I think we can even hear uh in a lot of uh, sort of emerging contemporary hip-hop, really thick, complex, jazzy chords with great, nasty, sharp 11s on them. Mm. And it might not be the kind of jazz comping that, uh, you know, my pal Nate here would do in a jazz gig, but it's drawing on all those different languages. And there is a great scene of hip-hop producers here in L.A. that had started to look back to... Uh, Parliament and other folks. You can definitely look at uh, Kendrick Lamar's Memphis Butterfly, where he's working with um, with members of Parliament, uh, right, on that record. Uh, and that that sound all of a sudden finds its way back into things that become even more mainstream, Bruno Mars and so on. And what you'll find frequently is that the people that are producing these records and performing on these records are incredibly well-versed in what they're doing. So in the case of the Jonas Brothers uh, record, uh, the song called Sucker, you have uh, Homer Steinweiss playing the drums. He played with the Dap Kings, right? He's somebody who, uh, he is a truly funky drummer. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing. He can, he's got a huge repertoire. He's a wildly talented drummer. And the people who are in those sessions know, hey, if you want to get that kind of sound, call up a Homer Steinweiss. Like most people might not know that's him, but that's what's giving people that groove and that feel. And so I just think it's really important to emphasize that there is this bridging of what's happening in youth contemporary culture, trying to push on these boundaries. But also there's just so much digging up what is happening in the past. And I think young people, especially today, are excited and, and honestly, probably not even that interested in necessarily where something comes from because it's just kind of right mm. there in front of them on a streaming service. And that's a dope sound. Cool. Let's see if we can sample from it or borrow from it and put it in a new language. Oh, man, that's that, that's 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 point point on. And, you know, I think that there's something, you know, in the jazz community, we need to like that should be more that's such a natural part of our vernacular in terms of how we play and how the the lineage of jazz music 
came about, you know, improvisation and, and picking up on things that are right in front of you. And I think that where there's maybe been a disservice, well, what I'm doing right now is one of the best things that we do as jazz musicians is like make hmm. fun of ourselves and talk about what's wrong with the jazz community. <laughs> that's another part of our tradition, you know? Yeah, it's um, most, most but, of the <laughs> art form, actually. That's yeah. most, right, right, right. But I also think that there's a lot of things that happen that just don't necessarily, people don't make the connection. I'm thinking about Kareem mm. Riggins, you know, who... I mean, I when I was playing with Roy Hargrove in the early 90s, when I was like 22, 23 years old, and Kareem first came out on the road subbing for Greg Hutchinson, you know, he was like 19 years old from from Detroit and just, you know, trying to be a jazz cat. But we always, you know, stay tight. And he's he's been someone that's always been able to yep. bridge these worlds, you know, jazz and, you know, playing with Diana Krall and then this, the, the hardcore jazz folks. And then also probably being, you know, one of the closest kind of direct lineages to to jay dilla and that mm-hmm. sound and, and really just that pro, that concept of production and stuff and i think that those things have always been there in jazz and we haven't necessarily celebrated them enough uh talked about them i don't know maybe nobody cares anyway but we care. at least in our little world i think it's i think it's a very interesting thing how it how it does affect the music and i agree charlie it's like you you know young people today there's such an openness and a and and you know, it's a beautiful thing because of the accessibility. There isn't the like, man, we got to wait for that album and go down and wait for it to drop and pick it up. You know, and it's there and, and, and there is a willingness for yeah. it. I just wanted to add, you know, I think one thing that, that often people might separate is the thought that one thing that uh, jazz privileges is, is proficiency and mastery of one's instrument. And that is undeniably true. Uh, but I, mm-hmm. one thing I hear as, as I've gotten deeper into knowing pop music uh, there are often masteries of skills that might not be uh, acknowledged as you know a traditional instrument, and I, you mentioned Jay Dilla. I think is a great example of somebody who yeah. who samples from jazz drummers and uh, funk drummers into a machine that he transformed the way to play that machine by taking quantization off. Yeah. And then drummers like Questlove from The Roots start borrowing from his sound. You could even look at the way in which contemporary trap music gives us this whole new vocabulary of subdividing beats on a hi-hat that you can now hear jazz drummers copying. And so there's actually this, there is a lot of communication between the technology and how it gets then incorporated back into these other languages. And I, I just find that the more we d- divide go into these divisions and differences in these Venn diagrams, actually they start to collapse. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm talking with Greg Hutchinson all the time. He's one of my best friends back to when we were teenagers. And he's always like, you know, now he's living in Italy and he'll hit me up on, you know, video chat and he's got his MPC there and he's like, I'm still trying to figure <laughs> this thing out. I'm still trying, you know, like, you know, when you hit a certain level, I think especially with, with, with drummers and stuff, there's such a, there's such a universal, uh, you know, connection between all of them and, well, yeah. before we go out, guys, uh, you know, as we're all as we're all still locked down here where we are, and I'm sure you are as well. Uh, any recommendations for our audience uh, listening? Recommendations? Are you listening to anything mm. special right now that uh, our, our folks might want to check out? Uh, yeah, Charlie, yeah. why don't you kick it off, Charlie? Um, what I should do is I should pull up. We have a, a really great playlist that we keep together on Spotify as the team, sort of like the team playlist oh, cool. of everything that we listen to. And so one thing we'll do oh, is excellent. we'll definitely share that with you. Um, I've been loving a couple of records. Uh, I really like. Uh, there's this new Heim song, which I'm temporarily forgetting the name of, and we'll have in like three seconds. Um, that is has <laughs> this. It's called I Know Alone. 
and it has this great tension between uh, consonants and dissonance. I actually think it's one of the most dissonant and sort of complex songs that sounds like it's just the poppiest, breeziest, easiest thing, and I love the tension that it builds in order to do that. Lately, I've been listening to uh, a lot of the music of Vinicius Cantuaria, the uh, Brazilian uh, guitarist and singer, especially his collaboration with Bill Frizzell called Lagrimas Mexicanas. Mm. Cool. That's great. And then, yeah, we'll have a link uh, on on this show for that playlist, if that's cool with you guys. All right. That'll be cool. One of the one of the fun things that we do in our show is that we try to we try to connect things across music history and across genre. So um, certainly uh, jazz makes it in the show. Uh, we have a lot of classical references. Nate will often come into our weekly production meeting and we'll be like, "What are you listening to?" And people are like, "I'm listening to Kashi Six Nine. I'm listening to Campetris. I'm listening to the the, the new uh, Megan The Stallion song." And then he's like, "Oh, I've been listening to a lot of, like Ravel and Debussy," and and so that's also <laughs> in our playlist. And, yeah, yeah. and they're connected. Like we we hear. The, the continuity across eras, um, whether it's intentional or not, music is just this big blob of people trying on so many different kinds of musicalities, and we love bringing them together in all sorts of fun and sometimes unexpected ways. Um, you know, just maybe one more fun reference was like, we did a piece on this song, uh, Doja Cat's Say So. It's the biggest so- song on TikTok. It's one of the most successful songs on the charts right now. And this song is fundamentally based off of Sheik's Good Times. And that took us going <laughs> down this t- total rabbit hole of going into disco and funk and uh, all of the references that they're pulling from. Uh, we, we, it takes us into James Brown. Um, and that music is so close to intersecting with so many other things that are happening contempor- t- contemporaneously in jazz that, th- yeah, it does – as a listener, I find it very gratifying to see where things collapse and they f- there is where there's mm-hmm. overlap. But I also am really interested in the way in which things are separate and serving different communities. Um, so we don't want to universalize and say, "Well, it's all just music," but rather like it's functioning and in conversation, like all different kinds of culture. And I like I, I just encourage people turning their ear um, to that kind of listening, in addition to listening to our favorite things and just enjoying them on our own. Yeah, man. Well, and and I think it was Nate or or what do you mention at at the beginning about really keying into who is the audience? And I know I've heard you guys do that on many, you know, some of your episodes where where you're really cluing into an analysis of that, where like like who who is this for? How is it being interpreted? What is the what is the meaning of the groove? What is the meaning of of this tension resolution? And all that and it's it's just a a very fascinating thing and and a rabbit hole to go down and and to be able to interpret and feel music in such an interesting way in 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 many ways much more interesting than C sharp uh, thirteen sharp eleven you know which is just a, it's just a, it's like an engineering way of putting it. Peter, don't insult yeah. our audience again. I know, I know. Well, sorry, I, don't I love getting geeky in that same way. Like it can be really fun, but I think I just always remember to. To, to think about, well, in service of what, right? Um, I really enjoy, I don't know, maybe you've all spoken with, maybe your, your listeners watch some of Adam Neely's videos. He's one of the top YouTubers yeah. on uh, who does music theory analysis and a great jazz player. And I love watching his reharm videos because, first of all, yeah. he's outstandingly talented, far beyond anything I could ever do as a songwriter and producer. But when he does reharms of pop songs, he th- really thinks through what is each chord trying to accomplish how is it in, in in communication with the emotional feeling of the performer, the lyric, 
what is it how does it fit the entire arc of the song and so i think we just need to remember that like even though a really great voicing can be interesting in of itself it's just another form of human communication and so thinking about like yeah. what is it doing how is it working with us i think that's really important as a performer as a listener uh anyone who's enjoying music it's fundamentally about communicating something and so it can be fun to communicate about technicality and jargon and, and, and theory because that's a way of advancing our abilities. But ultimately, that has to become that has to be submissive to whatever the larger meaning of the work is. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, actually, you know, we're, we're the you'll hear it podcast, so we're very like. I mean, we yeah, we talk about the chords and stuff, but it's it's really about about hearing the music, feeling the music, and uh, you know, I think that you guys do such a wonderful job. I encourage everyone to check out the podcast and I'll just, I'll just say it's like, you know, when you do an analysis of a Beyonce song to be able to find the tensions and the resolutions and the different feelings that are brought out from that, that's like the opposite of being lazy and talking about the different outfits she wears in the video. Like that's the obvious stuff. (laughs) And you know what that does to the, you know, to, to, to somebody who's viewing it and that's great and everything. And that's a whole nother kind of analysis, but the, um, you know, the intelligence and the ingenuity that you guys bring to this very, um, musical analysis of of all the great pop music and you know i mean i think that you guys also just uh really uh you know embolden me to remember something i've always believed in is there's great pop music of every era it's so fun to be like oh the 80s sucked you know like when i was coming up the 80s had no man the 80s had great pop music i mean great you know el debarge and these songs are totally every era has great stuff what's that gonna say isn't that your wheelhouse dude what are you talking about Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to, I'm talking about the haters right now. See, come on. <laughs> well, we're going to, we'll have your, uh, your Spotify playlist here. Look for that in the description, the switched on pop Spotify playlist. So you can check out everything that, uh, Nate and Charlie and their whole team are listening to. And thank you guys so much for joining us. Just super fascinating conversation and go check out the switched on pop podcast. Yeah. And I'll just say switched on pop is a, the, a very rare thing. and something we share in common. This is a bonafide five star podcast i don't know if you guys know that we, we we check our ratings every day because we're super insecure you know uh but you guys like that you'll hear a podcast i mean i'm not talking about 4.99 4.97 i mean i checked it today it is a 5.0 with a lot of ratings and reviews so congrats on that Thank because you. that that really do you want to read something do you want to read some of their reviews on the air no like, that's you do quite right. no, no, we're not doing that no I don't know. They're, they're good. They're all Vox, man. They got they got people that come over and fan them and, and read them their ratings and reviews. You know, that's, that's not true. That's how they do it. <laughs> but thanks so much, Nate. Thanks so much, Charlie. Uh, let's keep the discussion going and um, all the best to you guys and Switched On Pop. Pleasure speaking with you. Thanks so much for having us. This has been really fun. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks, guys. Bye. And until tomorrow, you'll hear it. <laughs>